1: Welcome to the Bombshell Business Podcast, where driven women in business learn how to become more bold, brave, and unwaveringly confident. Feel empowered and challenged through inspiring stories and tell it like it is advice for business, life, and leadership. Hey there, and welcome back to the Bombshell Business Podcast. I'm your host, Amber Hurdle, and we have Yet another amazing interview in store for you today. I know you've probably gotten pretty bored with all of my solo episodes, but with all the travel and the excitement in the Amber Hurdle Consulting world, it's harder to coordinate with other people, but not today. Today, I have my friend Krista on the show and, um, you will see me on her show as well, I think in a few weeks, but let me tell you a little bit about her. So Krista Grasso is the go-to strategic planning expert for online entrepreneurs when they want to scale. Known as the business optimizer, Krista has the ability to quickly cut through noise and provide clarity on the core things that will make the biggest impact to scale a business simply and sustainably. She's a creator of the Lean Out Method. 90 day lean out planner and the host of the lean out your business podcast, which I highly recommend you subscribe to. I want to point out a couple things as well. Um, first of all, you know, that my motto for this year is simplify to amplify. So, you know, I'm super excited to talk to Krista. And then the other thing is she was actually my Sherpa. Um, many of you might remember that I was working on my next book and an accompanying planner. And so she is my go-to person for that. But of course my life kind of fell apart um, as go back to old episodes to find out why. <laughs> and that was just not, it couldn't be a priority anymore, but I haven't given up. It's happening. So with all of that said, I will also say she's a beautiful human. She's an amazing person. She's so easy to talk to. And I know you're going to love her. Welcome to the bombshell business podcast, Krista.
0: Amber, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here.
1: Well, let's dive in because I'm Particularly excited about you being here too. And I know a little bit about this background, but I want just because we have so many fempreneurs on this, on, who are listeners as well as leaders in, in corporate. Why did you choose? You're so niched down, and I know that the riches are in the niches, but you're so niched down to a very specific thing. Like it's not just business, it's online business, it's not just online business, it's simplifying your systems so that you can scale. But I also know that you have a jewelry company. You've had a jewelry company even before that one, and you're a creative person, so like, can you just tie this all up in a bow for us? <laughs>
0: So I am one of those weird people where I am probably equal parts, right brain and left brain. Mm-hmm. And through my whole life, I always, when I was growing up, I felt like I never really fit in, um, in the more corporate space or in the more professional setting, because I was a little too creative. I was a little too out there. And when I was with my creative friends, I felt like I was a little too corporate and a little too businessy. And then I learned over time that that is my superpower yes. <laughs> and I fully embrace it in what I do. And And as you mentioned, I do. I have multiple businesses because I like to feed both sides um, from a right and left perspective. But I fell into lean kind of accidentally. I had gone to college, I was a fine art major, Um, and as I was getting close to graduation, I started to think, you know, if I want to work for myself for the rest of my life, I should probably learn a little bit about business. So I ended up switching majors, I got a business degree, graduated with a ton of college debt like we all do, and said, I'm going to work for a little bit of time while I both pay that off and figure out what I actually want to do for my own business. And the company that ended up hiring me was really big into lean manufacturing. Mm-hmm. And I ended up stepping into a bit of a project management role and doing Lean Six Sigma and things of that nature. And I never in a million years would have ever expected that. I thought I was going to be a photographer or an artist yeah. <laughs> or it turns out jewelry designer. <laughs> and I found I loved it. It's, it was like a big puzzle to me. It was looking at business and looking at how could you simplify it? How could you make things more efficient? How could you get better results from what somebody is already doing and and just the the puzzle lover in me just really embraced that. And over time I ended up deciding to launch an entire consulting business around it because I loved it so much and found it was just something I seemed to naturally be really good at.
1: <laughs> and then a lot of entrepreneurs genuinely aren't because you have a lot of visionaries like, you know, to kind of reference EOS. I always look around for it. They're, I'm so obsessed with it, that it they all live in my house, not in my office. Um, because I am the nerd who reads such things in the evenings on on the couch. Um, but there's the visionary who is the more creative person, the big picture person, they get things 80% of the way there. Then it's like groundhog day every single day. Um, and then you have the integrator who actually integrates the ideas, protects the business from, you know, too much of the visionary and that sort of thing. And I feel like you're like a hybrid, and you, because you understand both sides, you can go into visionaries like me and give us things that it's not like BS advice. It's not like, well, that's cute, but I just don't even have that in my DNA. So, um, if you were to wave your magic fairy wand, and if you're watching on YouTube, I have one right here because as a coach, I am not going to tell anybody anything of what you should do. However, I will say if I could wave my magic wand and make this choice for you, here's what I would do. And that kind of like, I want you to hold your magic wand and tell us what would you have a a female entrepreneur or even a female, like maybe in an entrepreneurial space and in a corporate role, what would you tell her about like simplifying and scaling and really systematizing things?
0: Yeah, the first thing is don't be afraid of doing less. You really truly can do less to make more and you can find much more fulfillment in it, but it can be hard to say no to things. But also don't be afraid of planning and don't be afraid of systems. I think so many people avoid them because they think they're gonna be very confining. They're gonna be very restrictive. They wanna have the freedom and flexibility and adaptability to be able to pursue those great ideas that they have before breakfast every single morning and to be able to do so much of what they want. But what you'll find is that by putting those systems in place and by leveraging things like strategic planning, you actually give yourself structure that gives you more freedom, gives you more flexibility, lets you more consistently actually achieve your goals. And it gives you the room to be able to pursue those great ideas that you have that otherwise you just kind of feel like you keep chasing because you have so much to do Mm -hmm. because you're working on a lot of things that aren't actually the right things.
1: As a speaker. uh, who went through COVID and our entire industry was decimated. I can say that I did things that I wanted to do like velvet machete leadership Academy. I wanted to do that. Um, the coaching that I was doing, I was wanting to do that. It's a lot of the speaking I wanted to do, but then there was all of this peripheral stuff that came along that I had to do because, I didn't really know what my new business model was going to be. And so that just got all busy. And now I'm like, oh, okay, we got to rein it in. So as I am, and it doesn't have to be me, but I'm, I'm y'all I'm being selfish today. Okay. <laughs> I have Krista and I'm going to ask my questions. They're going to help you too. I promise. But as I'm planning for a big, bold move in my business, how do I do that? Like, how do I take a big step back without all that noise getting in the way?
0: Yeah. It's such a great question. And it's so important to do that. And I did that last year. I made one of the biggest moves I've ever made in my business. And I cut off my primary revenue stream, oh. like my very, very big multi six figure revenue stream. I decided I wanted to work with a different target market and I cold turkey, cut it off. Um, but here's how you go about making a decision like that, especially when it's a really big decision. I think it comes down to your vision. I think you have to get really clear on what you actually want. And at some point, you realize that the things that you're currently doing may or may not be in alignment with where you want to go and where you want to take your business next. And I was at that point where I was having to say no to the people that I really wanted to work with because I was so booked and filled with the people that I no longer was finding really fulfilling working with. Um, and so I needed to make that shift. And so it really came down to a vision, what I saw for myself for the future and what I wanted and just personal fulfillment and what I was doing and wanting to be really close to the impact and the transformation that I'm able to achieve with entrepreneurs that take so much longer, um, with large corporations. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's the first part is really getting clear on that vision. And then the second part is actually committing to making the change. And what I ask myself, which I always recommend this to everyone, um, is don't say if you should do it. Because if you ask yourself if, you'll usually find a lot of ways to talk yourself out of it. But if you instead flip it and say, how can I do it? And really open yourself up to think creatively, to brainstorm, and to look at how can I make this work? Usually you'll find that there's a solution. And then the next part is just the transition plan. Usually you can't just snap your fingers one day, stop doing what you were doing and start doing something new. You do have to, you know, fulfill obligations to existing clients and, you know, really make a transition with integrity so you protect any commitments you already made to other people. But you can start to make that transition once you've gotten clarity on what you want you've committed to actually doing it, you've looked at how you can do it, and then you just define that transition plan and cut over over time in a space where you're still protecting what you've committed to.
1: Yeah, that's so good. Because you do, there's like this great fear of leaving people behind, or like, I like these people and I wanna help them, but it's really not the highest and best use of my time and talents. It's not my zone of genius, um, which I know both of us have, um are fans of the big leap. Um and if you haven't read that, we'll put that in the show notes. I encourage everyone, I read it every year. And I encourage everyone that does any type of work with me to read it as well. Um so what okay so I've been in business I think next week for like nine years legally longer than I think I started. I got my first dollar in October um and then I became an LLC in March of the following year. Um, so it's kind of funny that I'm a startup, a nine-year-old startup, you know, (laughs) but it is what it is. Thanks COVID. Um, and, and it's been fun to remodel, but I also know there's a lot of listeners who are earlier in their business, um, experience and they are out there trying a lot of different things to find out what is my thing. And they're confused or, They like a lot of things, but they're not sure they all bring them energy and it's very frustrating. So what would you say to them? Because they're like, I need to throw the net out and figure out what I'm going to catch. And you're like, lean in, like the streamline, what's your message for them?
0: Yeah. So picture an hourglass, picture something that's wide at the top, pinched in the middle and then wide again at the bottom. What you're trying to do when you're in that place is you're throwing a whole bunch of stuff in the top because you're experimenting. You're trying to see, do I like working with this group? Do I like this particular offer or product or service that I put out there? Is this the right person I wanna work with? Is this the right pricing? Is this the right structure? There's all these different things that you're experimenting with. And when you're in that stage, it's normal to be putting a whole lot of stuff in The key is you have to constantly be narrowing. Yeah. You want to, you have to, I always talk about you have to simplify before you scale. And so you want to try the things. That's great. But actually have some way to measure, actually have some way to analyze what's working, what's not working. And Don't keep adding more in, start taking things out. And what you want to do is you want to keep narrowing, narrowing, narrowing. You eventually want to get to the thing. Like that's that thing that I'm known for. That's that thing that I love doing. That's what I would call your scalable signature offer. And at that point it flips. And that's when you want to scale it. That's when you want to amplify what's actually working and what you have really honed in on. But in the beginning, as you're experimenting, you do want to lean out as you're experimenting, really simplify down. And then once you nail it, that's when you flip the script and start to uh, scale and amplify things.
1: So what's an indicator of this works for me? Well, A,
0: it's something that you enjoy doing. And B, it's something that people will actually pay you money for. Yeah. Right. (laughs) So the technical term is product market fit, right? It's whether you sell physical products or not, it's you have an offer for a target market who actually wants what you have to sell and you actually want to deliver it and work with them to deliver it. You have proven that it's something that people are interested in people will buy, right? That is your first hurdle in business is taking all of those ideas that you have and trying to find the one that you're like, yes, I like this. People like this. They're buying it. I feel like I could do this and I could deliver this for a while. I want to go all in on this for now. It'll change. It'll evolve over time. Right. But I think that's the key. It has to work for you. It has to work for your client. I call it, it has to be the perfect mix of PPV. So passion, profit, value. Something that you find fulfilling and you're passionate about and that aligns with your next level because otherwise you're not going to want to deliver it and you're going to bright, shiny object and move on to something else. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Profit. Because it needs to actually generate enough money to sustain the business and really help you take your business to the next level in value. Your clients have to really love it, see the value in it, and hopefully get such great results that they either want to continue working with you or want to refer other people to you.
1: That's so funny because so on, for those of you, and so many of my listeners do have the book, if you go to page 68 in the bombshell business woman, um, my book, so I'm going to hold it up here on YouTube, but I call it your business mojo. And it's funny that, I mean, so we have two of the three same things We're like they have to overlap, but how you come at it being truly a lean um, person, you have that value part in there. So I have what part of your business lights you up. So that's your passion. And I have what makes you the most money. So that's your profitability but what am I? I'm a branding person. And so my third piece is what makes you unique from your competition. That would be my third thing. But honestly, maybe we need four because, (laughs) because that value, I mean, if you can't continue to show that you're Creating value for people who's going to care. You're just another online shyster or, you know, brick and mortar shyster that is trying to sell something without understanding if it's really a need or if there's value. So how do you leverage that? Um, whether, I mean, cause I, so I work mostly like on a one, one-to-one or in consulting, I work with really strong women. And I say this a lot and there's always a lot of uh, good response it hits between the eyes is the women that I work with are typically seven figure business owners. They typically have 25 employees or more, and they are quote strong women who often get put in the bitch box. And they're the type of people who are like, Whoa, girl, you're too much or who you're a lot. And I always say, if, if I'm too much, go find less, like they're out there, go find you less. That's fine. Um They are afraid Of letting go of what they've built. So let's start there. And then I want to go back to maybe the beginner to medium, you know, mid level business. Um, so if I'm, if I know I'm successful and I'm making all this money and like, you just did a crazy train thing by letting go of a lot of money. I'm, I'm a seven figure business. I have mouths to feed, like not just a few, but a lot and you're asking me to get rid of things. So is it a, is it a mental thing? Is there like a, a process you can work through? I know you have what you just described, but like you have like a profitability calculator, don't you in your systems? Mm-hmm. Can you talk a little yeah. bit about that?
0: I do. Yeah. So the lean method itself has four overarching stages. You start with context, which is that clarity of vision and where you want to go and why it's important. Then you get clear. Clarity is number two on what you want to be focused on right now. And then the third piece and the fourth piece are really tying back to your question. And that's commitment and Kaizen. Kaizen is that lean concept that means making small continuous improvements and changes for the better. And commitment isn't the like all out, let's do this. It's the, when you get your yeah, buts. When you get all of those mindset things that come up, when you know that you want to do something different, but you try to justify why you should keep doing what you're currently doing, (laughs) um, it's actually working through and pushing through all of those. So I have the framework that I work with people on. And if you really think leaning out in general is getting rid of waste, right? It's doubling down on the things that add the most value to your clients and the most profit to your business and cutting out all the noise and distractions. Makes perfect logical sense. Who would say, no, I. I want noise and distractions. Right. But the problem is, actually letting go of those things is really hard. And especially if those things got you to your current level of success. Right. <laughs> so for all of your seven-figure business owners who not only you know have their own salaries, but their teams and their clients and commitments and responsibility for a lot of people beyond just themselves, it is really scary to stop doing something that got them to this point. But I think we do have to be looking to the future and we do have to look at, What's next? And you didn't do the same thing from the day you launched your business till this point. You evolved it over time. And so, what's that next evolution? What's your next evolution as a leader? Like, who do you need to step up into from an identity mm, evolution perspective? Good yeah, and what's the next identity evolution of your business? And which of the things that you're doing now can't come with you on that ride? And you thank them for the amazing you know, you know, know, results that they've gotten you to this point, but you do have to create space for whatever's next because otherwise you get stuck. And as that owner of your business, you start to resent it. You don't love what you do anymore. And it feels like sometimes we're protecting our team and we're protecting our business. But when we fall out of love with what we do, and we don't want to show up for it in the same way, it, we're not actually really protecting it. So I think we do need to keep evolving things and we need to keep building a business that we're excited about continuing to build.
1: That's so, so good. And obviously I'm, I'm not out of love with my business or I would not obsess over it all the time, but like so much of what you said hit me between the eyes of like, who are, who are you becoming? And I say that all the time, but I have to eat my own cookies. Like okay, well, this is what got you here, but that's not going to get you what's, what's over there for you. And like, I'm very clear on what's over there, um, but don't you, and, you know, I hate to generalize, but I also want to honor the challenges that women and strong women, and hear me when I say, you don't have to be a sassy, big personality to be considered a strong woman. Um, there are a lot of quiet leaders who still get put in the bitch box because they, they know their stuff and they're successful. And that's intimidating to men and women. So what we, as women tend to do is we worry about everybody else and we're in the backseat and we worry about like, well, how's this going to impact this person, this person, this person. And yet if we don't, stay connected passionately to our businesses. If we're not taking care of ourselves, there's no way we can take care of everything else. So I I love that I'm owning it. I'm feeling it. I'm putting it in my heart and I'm locking it in there for a while. So, so there is different stages, right? So we have your, your startups, your beginner businesses, then you have your growth. Then you have your six figure, then you have your multiple six figure. And we were talking, I don't know last week, how you know, getting to your first hundred thousand dollars. Well, that's a different thing than getting to $500,000 and going from $500,000 to a million is different. And a million to 10 million is different and, you know, and so forth and so on, but you've worked with multi-billion with the B businesses. So what have you found working with those giant businesses that entrepreneurs need to pay attention to?
0: It's really interesting because (laughs) I feel like sometimes we look at these really big businesses and we're like, we don't wanna be like them. We started our own business for a reason. We wanna be entrepreneurs. But meanwhile, there's a reason why they have a multi-billion dollar business. They scaled somehow. (laughs) Yeah, there's things that they're doing that they've done that has led to a great deal of success. So I feel like there's so much that we can learn from them and then adapt it to do it in a way that works for us. But I'll tell you a story. There was one company that I worked for, 30,000 employees. So a huge company, a lot of employees. And do you know, every single quarter... They would take two full weeks and they would have their employees focus on innovation and planning. I love it. So two full weeks, they had a lot of money not being spent actually implementing anything or executing anything or working on projects or whatever you want to call it. They had people sitting around innovating and planning for what they were going to do next And I was usually the one that would come in and at first the C-suite would tell me I was a crazy person when I would try to tell them I needed them to have all their people stop working for two weeks so that they could innovate and they could plan. And then eventually they would say yes and really see the benefit of it. But this company committed almost all of their 30,000 employees for two weeks, every single quarter to spend time innovating and planning. And it's because of the incredible results that it gets the business, the way that it moves the business forward faster. And yet as entrepreneurs so often, we avoid planning and we don't create space for innovation and to actually work on our business because we get so busy in the weeds and in the day to day. And so there's a lot of different things that I have learned um, consulting with some of the largest businesses in the world. But I'd say the things that really are top to me is they always make space to work on the business and to be thinking about what's next and how can they improve upon what they already have so they stay the go-to person for their customer base yeah. Um absolutely not only relevant but like just even ahead of the game they're trying to imagine what their customer needs next mm-hmm. before their customer even knows what they need next right um and they plan they always know what's next. They have that vision. They don't typically call it a vision. They usually have strategic imperatives and you know all sorts of fancy words, but they've got this direction that they know they want to go in and everybody is aligned in that same direction. All of the projects that they fund, all of the work that people do, all of the day-to-day operational things that happen are all in support of that overarching long-term vision. And I think that that's something that every single business should be doing, no matter what stage we're at. It gets a little more, um, you go deeper with it, the further up the right. you know, success path you go in business. But I think even from day one, you want to know directionally where you're going and you want to take the time to make sure that you're planning and pulling together the right things for that.
1: Yeah, so brilliant. And it's so funny because I found... I'm either usually a company's first person to pull people out for a two day offsite, or I'm one of the first people and, and you can see that they both are thrilled to do it, but then also super anxious that operations aren't happening and, And then at the end, they're like, I don't know why we haven't always done this. Like, this is the greatest thing ever. And I'm like, yeah, because you can't get this done when the phone's ringing and your emails are pinging and like, you can't get out of this crazy space of doing, implementing and also creating and visioning. Like those things don't go together and they compete for your time and attention. So I love, geez, two weeks. Can I do yeah. that every quarter? I <laughs> <laughs> can I go on vacation for two weeks and just get creative every quarter? I'd love that. <laughs> um, so I think that's probably, uh, if I could just put a pause there for my listeners, we, we do that. We have an annual um, planning and then we do quarterly, um, we do like quarterly sprints, so we know what we need to get done and we sprint towards that every quarter. I'm not a marathon. I'm definitely a sprinter. That way we get the things done by the end of the year that we want to get done. Um, and it's pretty successful so far. So I want, if you're, if you don't take the time to do that, I really encourage you. We are, um, this is going to go live, uh, the beginning of March. So you have about a month left of Q1. And so, um, are ideal Krista, cause this is really your, your jam, where in Q1 should they s- start looking at Q2? Like mid-month, end of the month?
0: Yeah, I think you always, I always I joke that as entrepreneurs, we kind of live in the future. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> for sure. March has already happened uh-huh. for me, right? So. <laughs> and so <laughs> I would say at least by mid-March, you would really want to have a lot of clarity on what you're doing for Q2. But that being said, as you talked about your annual planning, I always look ahead and I know exactly what launches and what major marketing events and campaigns and things I have all throughout the year. When I'm doing my quarterly planning, I'm more filling in some of the detail around it and confirming some of those high level plans. So highly recommend that you have that that longer term roadmap so you have clarity in what you're doing when, and then you're getting more into, okay, and here's what we're gonna be doing in April and then in May and June and who's doing what and what's important, what's our deadlines. And you're getting a little bit more, I'll say planful (laughs) uh, (laughs) for the upcoming 90 days.
1: Perfect. Okay. So you heard it. You, you, you can do it still. So even if you don't have your, your, your full picture map for 2022, like I my challenge for you is step away. Even if you don't have like one team member, or two team members step away and just say, okay, what are we moving towards and what can we do in the next 90 days to execute against that? And then that buys you some time to like really flesh out the rest of your year. If you haven't done that yet. And you know, Krista has programs. We'll talk about that. Um, you know, if you've been involved in my stuff, I have glamor goals. Um, but I would highly recommend Krista's cadence, her battle rhythm, if you will, because it is, um, very intentional and, um, magnificent. So this sounds like a lot of work. Sounds like a lot of work. It sounds like a lot of, um, physical work, meaning figuring things out and putting your brain to work it also feels like a lot of inner work. Um, so how do you grow and scale and push yourself to become that new version of yourself, that new version of your business, that new leader that you need to become, um, without being overworked and without constantly feeling overwhelmed.
0: Oh, yeah. It's always, it's a it's our <laughs> our constant battle, if you will. But I think here's my, my tip that I would give is the first thing is make sure that you're actually working on the most important things and that you're not just doing busy work. And I think if you do start with that vision and you have that clarity of what's important, your vision kind of helps you answer the question if you're working on the right things. When you set those goals and you build that 90-day plan, that helps you understand if you're working on the right things right now. And if you look at all of the different things that you're investing your time in usually you'll find that there's a lot of stuff that you're doing because you either always did it or somebody said you should go try this new strategy or new tactic. so you're out there exploring it. But really it's not the most important thing for you to be doing right now. So if you can run what you're doing through those two filters, right thing, right thing right now, you'll usually find that there's a lot that can come off your plate. And when you do that, it you get to like lift above the constant hustle hamster wheel of gotta keep going, gotta keep going. And you can start to be more discerning and intentional with what you're putting your time on so that you are investing it in those things that are really going to move the needle towards that next level instead of the things that just keep you busy and keep you going. The other thing that I recommend is do what I call capacity-based planning. So instead of just having this never-ending to-do list, waking up, working till exhaustion, (laughs) getting up. She's talking talking to me all
1: 'all, because she knows what I'm doing (laughs) right now. (laughs)
0: <laughs> I have many days that are like this too. So, um, but what I always recommend is get clear on how much you actually want to work. And every day is not going to be perfect. Every week's not going to be perfect. We all go through peaks and valleys in our business. But if you know that you want to work a forty-hour week, you don't want to be consistently working an eighty-hour week, right? You might have those periodic weeks, or where you're launching, or you're doing something new, or you're onboarding a new team member, uh-huh. where things do get busier. But you want to, with intention, say, if I've only got 40 hours this week, what can I get done and what's the most important thing I could get done in those 40 hours that's going to take me towards my vision, my goals, my revenue targets? And here's the key with capacity-based planning. You don't plan for 100% of that capacity. You only plan for 70% of it
1: the fit is going to hit the shan every single time <laughs> always.
0: And we underestimate how long things are going to take. We remember things way more favorably and quick and uh-huh. easy than they actually were. <laughs> she is calling um, me out y'all. <laughs> we want that 30% buffer. I mean, almost never do people actually have extra time at the end of the week, but let's just say you do. You get the freedom of choice of what you do with those extra hours. You could take it and work on innovative things. You could take it and do a project that you wanted to do for a while. You could take it and do some of the busy stuff that you didn't get to. Or you could do something crazy and take it for yourself and do a little bit of (laughs) self-care. So it's not the end of the world if you actually have that time left over at the end of the week. But I think what you'll find is if you leave that 30% buffer, You will not have a buffer
1: at the end of the week. (laughs) It's so funny. My team tells me that and has for the longest time, they say, Amber, your eyes are bigger than your stomach when it comes to work. And I forget that I'm 42 years old. I'm not in my twenties. When I was 27, 28, like I could work literally 24 hours and I would just be fine. And I'd go bike 30 miles on Saturday after working, you know, ridiculous hours all throughout the week. I'm not that person anymore, girl. I am tired. I'm tired. I have raised my children. I now have a dog that controls my life. As do you. And I'm tired and I can't do that anymore. So I love that capacity. My my practice is on Sundays. I look at like what am I obligated to? Like, what are my meetings? You know, do I am I speaking? Am I traveling? All that kind of stuff. I do it at the beginning of the month, but then I do it every Sunday for the next couple of weeks too. Because what happens is if you don't block out time a couple weeks in advance, by the time you get to that week, it's all gobbled up with appointments and it's, you're just jam packed. And there's no breathing room to get the things done that you need to get done behind the scenes. If you're somebody like me and you have to not have to, but you get to, um, you know, interact with clients and that sort of thing. Um, so I love that concept. I I feel like I'm just going to like, take that part, this whole section of the podcast, and I'm going to listen to it every morning when I wake up. And I also want to, I want, Um, I want to acknowledge and give grace to all the bombshells out there who are dealing with, um, you know, absences because of COVID um, who are dealing with the same turnover that the whole country is dealing with um, who's dealing with really having a hard time finding any fit, let alone the right fit for their open positions. And so I, I do want to acknowledge that, sometimes it just sucks and and I don't want to take that suckiness away from you like have your pity party get back on the horse but in light of the fact that you're understaffed because of illness or because you just don't have enough people on your team then I still want you to go back to Krista's advice and say, well, these are now my responsibilities in light of this. So what is realistic for me to get done? Maybe you need to switch your goals. Maybe you need to, and it's not giving up. It's being realistic. Like you ain't going to get there sis. So let's be realistic about it. So we can feel like we're winning. Um, you want to add anything to that?
0: No, I'll just say, like I said, peaks and valleys, right? So if you want to work 40 hours a week, but you are down to staff people, you are wearing more hats than you usually do. And maybe it's stuff that you haven't done in a long time. So you're almost relearning Uh things you used to do many years ago, right? Maybe your 40 hours a week is 60 right now. And that's okay. But the key is that you just don't want to sustain that. You want to do it for the stopgap, but you do want to be really intentional with what you're doing and making time for yourself for whatever does recharge you is going to be especially important because it can be really easy to get in a a negative place. Like I can't find anybody. I'm never going to find anybody because when you get really overwhelmed and you get really overworked, things start to feel sometimes really crushing and it can be really easy to feel like you can't get yourself out of it. So I just would say, you know, accept that maybe you're at that period where you're going to be working more than you want, but really make self-care completely Mm non-negotiable because you're going to need that to really get through and get yourself that support and really rebuild the business and the support structure around you, um, as quickly as you can.
1: Yeah. And I'll just say, I mean, I'm not in the spot, but if I was in the spot where I had to eat tuna fish for breakfast, lunch, and dinner in order to get my massage, like that's, what's happening. <laughs> Cause that is like the, the magic bullet for me. And in, in order to, you know, continue to sustain, like that's my little treat for myself. I do other things too, but, um, definitely massage <laughs> is a non-negotiable. Um, Okay. So how can, for all the online business people, and I have so many more, like when I first started this podcast, it was a lot of um, gym owners. It was a lot of salon, spa, yoga studios, a lot of brick and mortars, but I now have a huge um, contingency of online business owners, coaches, consultants, podcasters, YouTubers, that sort of thing. So When you add a tangible product to this kind of like, I'm just out in the internet by myself, like a planner and you do planners and journals and that sort of thing. Like, how does that help you scale? How does that align with your lean out method?
0: Yeah, I absolutely love it. So A- Think about having something like this on somebody's desk. Think about having a physical product with your branding on it, with your method and your intellectual property in it that somebody is using all the time, Mm. getting great results from, and they're literally looking at your branding and looking at a piece of what you do all the time. The nice thing about planners and journals in particular, people put them in their bags. If they're going to the coffee shop, they bring them with them. They're on their nightstand or on their desk. They're with them all the time looking at them. So I think if you have an online business, and especially if you have a signature offer, you have that thing that you're known for. If you can create an extension of that in a physical product, that is designed with intention to really get people great results. It can be a good top of funnel way to bring new people into your business. And it can also be a great way to really enhance the experience of your current clients and have them get even better results and hold them accountable. So it ends up being a win-win all around where it's a distraction as if you're like, I just feel like creating a planner and you're creating (laughs) it as something entirely new and different. But if you're doing it with intention to make people aware of your work, familiar with your work, get a taste of what you do and get such great results that they want more, then it's serving its purpose very well for those of us who have more coaching, consulting, service-based type businesses.
1: Yeah. I love that. I love that so much. Um, And which is why, I mean, I have processes and I know that if I could hand somebody something, it's like, just do this every day, they would find so much. It's almost like me being there with them and being that accountability. And, you know, I get like the loveliest, most heartwarming emails and direct messages from people saying like, Amber, it's, it's so nice to have like a friend in my ear when I'm running or I'm with with, like putting my kids down to bed or when I'm cooking or whatever that is on my way to work that the job that I want to leave or whatever it is on my way to my salon or whatever. Um, and I just appreciate that. I feel like you're my friend and I'm like, okay, well, if I'm everybody's friend, which like makes my heart so happy, then. As your friend, I want to also hold you accountable day in and day out to what you say you want for your life. And you said something earlier, and it aligns with one of the things that I preach. And it's when you make a choice, it's either moving you towards your goals or it's moving you away from your goals. There is no net zero, it's either moving you towards the person you want to become. Or away from the person you want to become. And so having something like your journal or hopefully one day my journal, um, that enables you to be that consistent person. And I'm definitely neurodivergent friendly in my practice. We have a lot of ADD, ADHD, (laughs) And just having a go-to place is just is really uh, amazing. So, um, I always before we get into where we can find you, I always like to ask my guests what final parting advice would you give to a female business owner or a female leader um, within an organization um, as it relates to just truly leaning out to grow.
0: Yeah, absolutely. The thing I tell everybody is really take the time to get that clarity of vision. And it's not your vision statement. And when I think of vision, I think of three facets. I think you wanna look at where you want your business to be in the future, what you want it to be known for. You also wanna think about yourself. What's important to you from a lifestyle perspective? And what's the role that you really want in that company? How do you, do you envision this great team around you who does the day-to-day and you're just up there making more visionary leadership type decisions and being the thought leader? Or do you really like rolling up your sleeves and working with people? And then think about your customer. And that's the facet I see a lot of people not really include and think about in your vision. <laughs> but if you're thinking about business, yourself, and your customer, but you don't have a business without that customer. So really important to be thinking about your customer of the future. That can have a lot of influence on the business model that you have and where you invest your time in your activities. And what I find so often from people is that their current business model doesn't support the vision that they have and that's a big driver for why their business isn't lean they're doing so much more than they need to or they feel really drained by the things that they're doing because they're stuck or feel stuck in a business model that really isn't the one that they want so that would be my biggest advice is take the time to really get that clarity of vision looking across all three of those facets, and then look at your business model and get really honest about, is this going to take you there? Or do you maybe need to make some of those big, bold business moves and some of those shifts over time to align better?
1: I love it. Love, love, love it. Um, And again, y'all I'm sitting here. She is just speaking directly to my heart. This is, we are, in this process right now. And, um, it is a heavy lift. And I want to acknowledge that, that it's, this is, a, it's not just difficult business-wise. It's not difficult when you're looking at your PL. It's not just difficult in those areas. It is emotionally difficult to lay down baggage, whether it's your emotional baggage your baggage in your business or whatever, like that is an emotional commitment you have to make. So I just want to kind of, um, acknowledge that, but also acknowledge how amazing Krista is at supporting people through that process, because she knows it's not just like you flip a switch and now you're a lean business. Like she gets it. So, um, I know that you have a workshop series. So where can people find that so that they can get started with you?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I have a three-part workshop series helping you to simplify and scale. We go deep into a lot of what we talked about here and it's leanoutmethod.com slash simplify it. All one word, simplify it. And that is going to take you to my next workshop series.
1: Awesome. And we will definitely put that in the show notes. And then also, um, she is leanoutmethod.com. Her podcast is lean out podcast. So you can get advice from her every single week and, and amazing guests like me. <laughs> and, actually, what's that? March 29th. March 29th. We're both in March. Um, and then uh, she's on Instagram. I know I follow her on Instagram and Facebook. Um, She has a group, Lean Out Circle. And is that for every, is that like an open group or is that a private group? So open group. You have so many different ways to support people through this truly challenging process, at least for bombshells, because we're a little all over the place, if we're being honest. So. Krista, thank you for sharing your wisdom. Thank you for being my friend. And thank you for making such an impact on the lives of so many women um, in business. You're incredible.
0: Thank you so much for having me and you are just incredible as well. So thank you for this opportunity to be here.
1: Absolutely. All right, y'all, you know what I say, make an appointment with yourself. I know I am, especially for this episode. I'm making an appointment with myself to actually implement and think about the strategies because if you don't make an appointment with yourself, you will never do it. Okay. So I want you to stop right now, grab your phone, click on your Google calendar, whatever, find yourself an hour that you can focus on this and, um, have that breathing room that, that Krista is talking about to think about how you can look at your business and your life and your lifestyle differently. Um, if you enjoy the content, in the bombshell business podcast, then I would treasure and covet your rating and review. Obviously I want it to be honest. If you think I suck, go ahead and say it. Um, it's always healthy to have a couple bad ones on there, right? From a branding perspective, (laughs) just kidding. I hope it's a really great one. And if you're watching this on YouTube, a very easy way that you can help and not only help me, but truly help other people find this content as well is just hit like, you don't even have to comment, just hit a like. And that messes with the algorithm and the Google gods go, oh, this is interesting. And so they'll make it appear in other people's searches. So that's how you can help pay forward the free content that you get on the Bumshell Business Podcast. And just know that I treasure you. I honor the fact that you're taking your limited time to spend it with me and amazing guests like Krista. And I will see you on the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Bombshell Business podcast. Visit amberhurdle.com for more resources like show notes and check out the bombshellbusinesswoman.com to grab my book and download the free bonuses.